Luke 2, 1 through 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Christmas story, so wondrous, yet so familiar. I wonder sometimes, have we become so familiar with the story that it ceases to be wondrous? There are many ways to view the Christmas story, but one of my favorite perspectives is that of the angels. To do that, we go back to the beginning. Our story begins in a garden, a garden of unimaginable beauty, a garden that God himself called paradise. The angels were created by God. One in particular was more beautiful than any of the others. His name was Daystar. We know him as Lucifer. Rather than Lucifer celebrating God's goodness and generosity and making him so beautiful, he instead desired to take the glory of God for himself. He led a rebellion and Lucifer and one third of the angels were cast away from the heavenlies, out of the presence of God. We would know Lucifer as the devil or Satan, and we would know the fallen angels as demons. 
The angels that remained in the presence of God must have wondered at the beauty of all that God had created. And they certainly must have delighted in this magnificent creation of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were unique, unlike any other creation, made in the image of God. David describes it as crowned with glory and majesty. Of all that God had created, there was nothing as special as Adam and Eve made with the capacity to image or represent God to the world. This unique ability to experience relationship with God, unlike any other creature God had made. I don't know that it would be right to say the angels envied, but certainly looked on longingly. When in the cool of the day, God would go down to the Garden of Eden, and he would stroll through the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve just enjoying the time together. I try to imagine that moment in the heavenlies when the angels noticed a familiar face in the garden. It was none other than the enemy, Lucifer. Come to the garden as a serpent to seek, to tempt Adam and Eve away from God. I wonder at first, did they think it laughable? that Lucifer would think he had anything to offer, more than what God had to offer to lure Adam and Eve away. I try to imagine the scene in heaven as the angels began to realize Adam and Eve were actually listening. The offer Lucifer made was the same lie that had caused him to be cast out of heaven. The lie that Adam and Eve could be their own gods. Try to imagine in heaven that moment when the angels watched as Adam and Eve picked the fruit and they ate it. I don't know if the angels could actually see the face of God in that moment, but I wonder, did they see the pain? Did they see the sadness? Did they see the disappointment that these people he had made in his image had now rebelled against him? Certainly the angels knew in that moment something had radically Changed. The angels watched as God went down to the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve were nowhere to be found. They were hiding from God, covering their shame. 
The angels would have heard as God cursed Lucifer, the serpent, and promised that one day, through the seed of a woman, Lucifer would have his head crushed. And God declared at the end of the story, he would win. Imagine being one of the angels that God called over and said, I need you to go to the Garden of Eden. And I need you to escort Adam and Eve out. And then I need you to stand guard at the gate because they are not allowed to return. The angels have the unique perspective of having seen the world as God intended it to be. And now they would escort Adam and Eve out of the garden and they would begin to see the consequences of sin and rebellion in the world. There's many wonderful angel stories in the Old Testament. I think of the time when the angels sat and ate with Abraham. I think of the moment when those same angels traveled into the city of Sodom and literally, physically dragged Lot and his family out of Sodom before God destroyed it. Again and again, the angels would have seen so many times when God longed to bless his people, but he couldn't because of their sin and their rebellion. They must have wondered, when will these people learn? Then there was the 400 years of silence. I wonder, did the angels understand that? Did the angels know what was going on? As they watched Israel being conquered and abused by one nation after another, they must have wondered, what is God doing? And when is he going to do something? Can you imagine watching that for 400 years and then there's this moment when God calls Gabriel over and says, Gabriel, it's time. I need you to go down to Jerusalem and I need you to talk to a man by the name of Zacharias. And I need you to tell him that even in their old age, he and his wife will have a son and his job will be to announce the coming of the Messiah. There's this wonderful moment where Gabriel is talking to Zacharias and Zacharias is struggling to believe, how could I know this is true? When Gabriel looks at him and says, do you know who I am? That's not exactly what he said. He said, Zacharias, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. About six months pass, and God calls Gabriel over again. 
And he says, it's time. This time I need you to go to the small town of Nazareth. And I need you to meet with a young Jewish virgin girl. And I need you to tell her that she is about to become pregnant without ever having relations with a man. And I need you to tell her that the one in her womb will actually be the eternal God taken on human flesh to be the Savior of the world. Can you imagine being the angel in that moment explaining this to Mary? Mary tries to explain this to her betrothed husband, Joseph, who had never had relations with her. And Mary says, I am pregnant. She tries to explain, but Joseph, reasoning it out, determines the only explanation is Mary has been unfaithful. And he begins the proceedings to divorce her. Can you imagine the moment when God calls the angel over and says, I need you to go back to Nazareth. And I need you to explain to Joseph that Mary has never had relations with a man. She has not been unfaithful. She is actually pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And the one in her womb is God in the flesh. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I don't know exactly what this all looked like in the heavenlies. The angels who had seen the Son of God, the Creator God, in all of his glory, is now dwelling in the womb of a young Jewish virgin. What was heaven like missing the sun? And how did they comprehend the possibility that he now was a helpless baby? They must have watched with great excitement as the baby grew in the womb. They must have had great concern when about the time Mary was to deliver, Mary and Joseph had to take the long, difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They must have wondered, where will this child be born? Will it be in the temple? Will it be in a palace? Will it be in the home of a rich man? Imagine watching on from the heavenlies when they realize it is time to give birth and there is no room in the inn. And they would watch as Mary and Joseph were escorted to the stable. And there the eternal God of the universe who had taken on human flesh would be born and laid in an ordinary feeding trough. 
you would have to imagine in that moment, the angels thought, this just seems like such a strange way to save the world. Can you imagine being the angel that is called over to go make the announcement that the Messiah has been born. Remember, we're talking about 400 years of silence. At this moment, only four people have heard from God. But that is about to change as one angel would get the glorious assignment to announce the birth of the long-awaited Christ. The angel must have wondered, where should I go? The temple? Jerusalem? The angel must have wondered when God said, no, actually, I need you to go to a small group of shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night outside of Bethlehem. I can imagine the angel with excitement suddenly hearing that and saying, I'm sorry, what? Bethlehem, the hill, shepherds. That's who would get this magnificent announcement. Can you imagine being the one chosen to deliver the message? For unto you is born this day in the city of David. It's the long-awaited Savior, the Christ. I can imagine the angels in heaven gathered around, like gathered on a balcony with such excitement, watching this moment, and then suddenly God gives them the signal, and they go down to join in the celebration, and suddenly a multitude of angels appear in the sky. Praising God. Glory to God in the highest What a moment that must have been. It wouldn't be long after that where the angels would begin to realize that Herod the king was threatened by the new baby king. His life was in danger. Something must be done. So imagine being the angel called over and sent to Joseph, Joseph, you've got to get out of town now. And they left for Egypt. It would be an angel that would return to them in Egypt and say, Herod has died. It's time to go to Nazareth. Over the next 30 years, there's not much we know about. I'm trying to imagine the angels in heaven wondering when is he going to do something? He's just a carpenter's son living in a little town called Nazareth, called Nazareth in Galilee. When is something going to happen? So then imagine that moment when John the Baptist comes on the scene 
and publicly announces Jesus as the Lamb of God come to take away the sins of the world. In that moment when Jesus was baptized, you had the eternal Son of God who had taken on human flesh baptized. You had the voice of the Father from the heavenly saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And you had the Spirit come from heaven and land on Jesus as a dove. And I find myself wondering, had the angels ever seen God like that before? Were they gathered around God when his voice boomed out of the heavenlies? This is my beloved son. Had they ever seen the triune God in such a magnificent way before? Soon Jesus would go to the wilderness. And for 40 days, he would fast in the wilderness. Certainly, the angels would not have missed the moment when once again, there was a familiar face in the wilderness. It was the face of Lucifer again. He had found Jesus in the wilderness in his weakest moment and was there to tempt him away from the glory of God. The angels certainly would have thought Jesus would not give in to temptation, but then again they had thought that about Adam and Eve, and in that moment they must have wondered But soon they would realize that Jesus would stand on the truth and he would not be tempted. And Lucifer departed. Can you imagine being one of the angels in that moment that God calls over and says, I need you to go to the wilderness and spend time with Jesus just to serve him and encourage him. As far as we know, that would have been the first moment where the angels who had seen the Son of God in all of his glory, now reunited with him as one who had become flesh. And I find myself wondering, what was the conversation? What did they say? What did they talk about? What was that moment like? For the next three years, there were so many glorious moments. As Jesus would reveal, he was indeed God in the flesh. The lame would be made to walk. The blind would be made to see. The deaf would be made to hear. The dead would be raised to life. Imagine that moment when the disciples are with Jesus on the boat in the wind and the waves and they think they're going to die and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus stands up and he commands the wind and the waves to be quiet. 
And in a moment, it's suddenly still. I can just imagine the angels high-fiving each other, saying, that's what I'm talking about. As once again, Jesus was revealing who he was. But they also would have been aware that there is a growing tension with the religious leaders. Perhaps at first they thought the religious leaders of all people would welcome the Messiah. But rather than welcoming him, they were clearly threatened by him. And the tension grew greater and greater and greater. Certainly in the upper room, the angels would have had the sense something big is about to happen. You can just feel the intensity of the moment. I imagine them watching as Jesus and his disciples walked to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there they would see the eternal Son of God in a way they had never seen him before as he was in absolute agony. He had asked his friends to stay awake with him, to pray and encourage him. But they could not stay awake. Jesus had got a glimpse of the wrath of God that was to come upon him. And he had asked the Father, is it possible that this cup may pass from me? I wonder, did the angels stand in the presence of God in that moment? What did it look like? He was sweating as if drops of blood. He was in such agony. Can you imagine being the angel in that moment that God calls over and says, I need you to go to Gethsemane now. And I need you just to be there and encourage Jesus in this agonizing moment. There's the moment when Judas arrives with the soldiers. And I would have to imagine the angels suddenly stood at attention. The angels are many things in the scriptures, but most of all, they are warriors. And I'm imagining they immediately come to attention, ready at a moment's notice to rumble. Peter pulls out his sword and he chops off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And in that moment, the angels must have been right on the edge of coming to the rescue of Jesus when Jesus stops Peter. Says, Peter, I don't know, I don't need that. With just a word, I could call 72,000 angels to fight for me. Imagine what it was like when the angels got the stand down order. There would be no rumble tonight. Jesus would willingly allow himself to be arrested. They would watch in horror through the mock trials, through the torture. They would watch as Jesus was nailed to a Roman cross. Imagine being the angels that had announced the birth of the Messiah, comprehending this moment, what had happened. What is going on? From 12 o'clock 
to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the earth became dark. And I find myself wondering, was it dark in heaven for those three hours? What was that like? What would it have been like to be in the presence of God for those three dark hours? Imagine that moment when Jesus cries, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What did that moment look like in the heavenlies? And how could the angels comprehend what was happening in that moment? And then the unimaginable happened. The eternal creator, God of the universe who had taken on human flesh. He died. How does he die? He died. What did that look like in the heavenlies? No one quite knows where the spirit of Jesus went for those three days he was in the tomb. What we do know, his disciples, his followers, were devastated. Jesus had given them hope. They had believed that something different, a new kind of kingdom was coming in. Now all that was gone. Jesus was dead. The story was over. So can you imagine being the angel that God calls over and says, I need you to go down and roll back the stone. And when the followers of Jesus get there, I need you to tell them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Can you imagine being the angel given the assignment of declaring that magnificent message? There's many wonderful angel moments to follow. For example, the angel that shows up with Peter in prison and busts him out of prison and sends him freely down the street. There's a moment at the end of the book of Acts when Paul is on a ship headed for Rome. There's a great storm. They're afraid they're all going to die. And an angel shows up and says, settle down. You're not going to die. And Paul's going to make it to Rome. But perhaps the greatest angel moment after the resurrection would be the angel that got the assignment to visit the apostle John on the island of Patmos and would literally pull back the veil and let John see the end of the story. John would see the ushering in of the new heaven and the new earth. A place with no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. The angels had seen the world as God intended it to be. They had seen the consequences of sin and rebellion and the pain and the heartache 
and the chaos. They had witnessed the unbelievable gift that God would make in giving up the eternal Son to take on human flesh to make a way back. And they would unveil for the Apostle John just a peek at the glorious end of the story. A reminder that it would be everything that our souls long for today. Perhaps that explains why Jesus said, whenever a sinner repents and experiences God's salvation, the angels throw a party in heaven. Because they've seen the story from the beginning to a glimpse of the end. It is entirely possible this Christmas season, many if not most, will busily go through the season and never really wonder of the story of God giving his son to be the savior of the world. But I am absolutely sure the angels will not miss the moment. They will reminisce and they will celebrate and they will wonder again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. It's the Savior. It's Christ the Lord. Our Father, we are just reminded again this morning of the wonder of the story. God, my prayer is that we would never lose our sense of wonder. That the eternal God of the universe would take on human flesh, born of a virgin, to be nailed on a cross for the payment of sin. in order that we might have forgiveness, that we might dwell forever with you in paradise. God, remind us anew and afresh of the wonder of the Christmas story. In Jesus' name, amen.